0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. So grateful to be present with all of you. We are here today with my friend, Solaima Guliani. She is the most inspiring. We talk about feminine leadership, overcoming burnout. Solaima is the first immigrant, brown, over 45 years old female leader to receive such success with her new tech startup, Happio. And she shares so much wisdom with all of us. Thank you all so much for being here and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. I'm so excited to be here today with my old friend, like we met nine years ago, Salima Giuliani, tech founder, Danish Moroccan, mama of two, happily married for 28 years, former school dropout in seventh grade, and a former foster child, and now like a huge success. Hanging out in Palo Alto, so much that we need to talk about today. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Erin. I am so honored to be on this
1: Wise Women podcast. My first feeling was, am I wise enough to be on this podcast? My imposter definitely kicks in. So uh, I'll do my best today to share something
0: uh, exciting and
1: smart, hopefully.
0: And for everyone who's listening, Salima is incredibly successful. You can just Google her and see all the books that she has written. She's founding this amazing tech company, Happio, right now that we definitely need to talk about. Uh, but first, I want to talk about you and your story. You have such a rich background. You mostly grew up in, in Denmark. Yeah, that's true. And um, I was born in Morocco,
1: but my parents moved away from Morocco when I was just a baby. And my mom is Danish, my dad Moroccan, and I got my citizenship when I was four. Um, But I grew up most of my life in Denmark. I was one of the very few, you know, brown people in my environment. And, you know, I have such a weird background in terms of my mom. My grandma was Jewish, which technically makes me Jewish. My dad is a Muslim. And I was born, not born, but I was baptized and confirmed as a Protestant. So, I, so I'm like a whole peace project myself. So I always grew up with a really mixed identity. I didn't belong anywhere. My color was wrong. I grew up in a very white uh, uh, environment. So it was very hard for me to uh, fit in. And I really don't remember me being very happy until I was, I don't know, my early 20s. Uh, I don't know if I was depressed. Uh, Danes don't, at that time, we didn't talk too much about mental health and we didn't talk about therapy for sure. But you know, Erin, I don't know if you've ever talked about ACE score at any of your podcasts, but that's a trauma score. You can take it online, ACE. And just last week, hey, I'm 48. (laughs) Just last week, I found out that my ACE score is seven, 10 is the highest. Seven is outrageous high. And I have like 285% higher chance of being depressed, suicidal, whatever, you know, given my background. So me being on your podcast today and you asking me, how, how did you grow up? How was your life? I'm so proud that I survived my own life. Let's just pause there for a moment. Me surviving was the, you know... A, That's an incredible accomplishment. Me not becoming a prostitute or drug addict or whatever, that I'm proud of too. So you must understand how do I feel about being the only brown woman, 48, immigrant to the United States just a few years ago, raising millions of dollars for my tech startup, working with this incredible team that is super, super smart, famous people. My investors are the best in, in the world. You must understand that I wake up every morning thinking that I'm the luckiest woman on earth and I
0: can't stop smiling. That's why you're so amazing. That's why people resonate with you and your story. But you know, I never feel very smart. Like I I honestly, I'm never the
1: smartest person in the room, but I'll tell you what I always am. I'm always thankful when I walk into a room. I never think, Will I like the people, right? I always think, what will they like me, right? What do I have to bring? And that gives me the humbleness that I actually think you need to be great. And the more I learn, the more I understand what I don't know anything about. I'm driven by something very, I don't know if it's unique, but given your audience, I think I can speak freely. I'm not so worried when, if I will meet the right people, if I will find the right investors, if If I will get the right talent, I will meet those I need to meet at the time where the timing is right. I'm not driven by fear, I'm driven by complete trust in the process. I'm not afraid of making decisions because all decisions are the right ones. I will become, I will be, and I will end up where I am supposed to be. I try to remove my ego of most of the things I do, even a tech startup. I remove my ego, I check in with myself often why are you working on happier what is your mission what is your intention and i really hold myself accountable for it's not greed it's not celebrity status it's not of all that and that keeps me in check and that's i think part of the reason why we are successful
0: a side effect of you sharing your great work is all of this success. And I think there's something quite powerful there. I, I say something quite similar. And there's trust in that. There's God in that. There's spirit in that. And just to provide context for everybody here, Solima and I met nine years ago. We were on a bus from Tel Aviv into the desert of Israel. It was the most incredible container it was called elevation w it still exists today and it was a bunch of women entrepreneurs i would say mostly in the tech area and i'll never forget i was living in israel at this time and one of my girlfriends from chicago said i was invited to be a participant at this like weekend retreat where we could focus on our entrepreneurial dreams and i reached out i said i'm in tel aviv i want to be part of this and this was such a blessing they All the spots were full, but they needed help. And so I got to sit in the front of the bus with people like you and meet all the other facilitators at this incredible weekend. And then I could bop around to go to the things that I found most interesting. And the reason recently we reconnected because I reached out with profound gratitude. Salima, we sat in the front of the bus and we were connecting. And I told her how at 23, my greatest dream for myself of many was to write a book. And you said to me, writing a book is easy. <laughs> you pick one thing, theme for one chapter, and you focus on that theme for the whole entire chapter. You just write about that and do it 13 times. Well done. You have a book. That's and that's true. what I did. And it was amazing. And I thought about you. though. I wrote my book in two and a half months, something that I've wanted to do for you know more than a decade. I did it in two and a half months. And I think there's, and I'm, I'm saying I wrote for like 30 minutes a day. Like this wasn't, uh, it was, uh, you know, some days obviously much longer. So that's really why we reconnected because I reached out and I said, thank you. And I really remember our time together in the desert. That was such a cool program. It was a life-changing program. I mean, I still follow some of the participants from that
1: program online and they're doing incredible things, like, yeah. incredible things. It was actually the first time, Erin, to be quite honest, where I was with only female entrepreneurs uh, in such a setting. It was a very, you know, the the settings was, of course, very back to the nature in the desert, uh, tense and lots of focus on femininity and being a woman and how I remember we even discussed our period, like the cycles of our menstruations and how that impacted our decisions and stuff. I mean, I I have been in the tech industry since late 90s. I've always been with men. It was the first time I was, it was not only tech founders, but there was quite an amount of those uh, at the camp. But it was the first time I was with women and that many who really embodied and embraced being women. And I think it was a critical moment for me. It was important for me to remember Now I relate back to that, of course, and I see why I was supposed to be there. We are not supposed to become men or more masculine in our approach. The future of businesses, the future of good teams and leadership is very fundamentally deeply profound in the feminine energy. That's actually the only thing that can make us more human. Um, So for me, it was a big experience too. I, I I know I was there as a coach, as a trainer and facilitator, but honest, I left feeling ha, I just got a whole weekend of lessons uh, for free uh, and I grew so much as a person. So I'm really thankful for that program
0: and I'm happy that it, it does still exist. Yeah, that was a special time to be together. And you're absolutely right. I think there was an awakening that was occurring during that time because, and maybe we can call it feminism or like the lure of it, but women need to work as women. We're not supposed to work as men. That's not how we that's not how we're designed. And I also agree that was the first time where cycle syncing was introduced in a way of like how to show up as a founder and CEO. And it was quite inspiring. So today now, I mean, you were wildly successful then. How many? You probably had you had multiple books out then also. Mm -hmm. How many books do you have out now? I was actually trying to find
1: out yesterday. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe it's 16, 17 books, something like that. Uh, th- three I wrote completely on my own, uh, but I've co-authored, co-written bunch of books. Um, I have not published any books since 2019, though. So I published a lot online, micro-publishing, if you like my columns from Forbes and, and other um, platforms, but I haven't published a book. And it's actually um, something I've decided not to do. I try not to write a book for the next two years because the next one is going to be unhappy. In two years, I will know exactly what is kind of the end game for this for this company. And no matter where it lands, it is an incredible story. We've been through all the 15 things you never want a startup to go through. We've been through them all. And I think it's just my life isn't in an essence. I never do things half. And I always go through uh, the most um, hardship you can imagine to reach my destination. But apparently that is my sole journey because a big part of me is about paying it forward and giving it back with such authentic, honest, no filter. So I go through things that means that a lot of people don't have to go through them because I can return to you and say what worked and what didn't work. So I'm actually trying not to publish a book. I promised my family, I promised myself that I will not publish a book for the next two more years. So, because at some point I published so many books that I couldn't even, when I was interviewed about books, I couldn't remember what I wrote in one book and another book. And so, you know, I have to stop doing that. So my next one is going to be a reflection on my, on my immigration story to us, how I, how we made the move to first Texas and then Palo Alto. California, how I couldn't speak any English in 2007, but taught myself, got a tutor, prepared myself for my MBA. And and then in 2017, finally moving to US, why we moved, what was the biggest uh, challenge to move to Palo Alto and come from outside and start a tech company, a SaaS company, which is probably one of the most prestigious things you can do and uh, hopefully succeed with that. Because there is no earring, there is no there is no playbook for women like us. There really is not. So there has to be. I don't know. Have you ever seen a book how to unicorn a tech startup out of California ever or anywhere where it was a woman of color who wrote it? I've never found anyone. No, no. So I need to write the first one. Hopefully not the last one, but I
0: will, I might write the first book about that. Thanks for paving the path. <laughs>
1: We shall see. It can also not work out, but that's the journey too.
0: Tell us about Happio.
1: Mm. I'm so glad you asked. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll try to make it very very short. I I love large enterprises. I used to work at Hewlett Packard, Musk Shipping, Microsoft, and actually in 2011, I believe I had my first anxiety attack. I was picked up by the ambulance twice. I was taken to the hospital. I didn't know I had a burnout. I did not know that I was stressed. No one taught me. As a former street child, a seventh grade school dropout, I just know one thing, and that is to work, how to work harder than everyone else. I changed that so a lot. I, I work very different now, but it, I had no tools. So that means that if you give me a chance, I will go 2,000 kilometers per hour with that chance and give my all. So I was literally facing burnout. And for the longest time, I didn't know how to address it. And uh, I became an entrepreneur. I built four other startups. I wrote a few books. I did speaking worldwide. And then in 2020, I actually wanted to build an online community for women so that they wouldn't come in the same situation. Then the pandemic hit. And it was very hard to raise money for that idea. And the investors just laughing at that point, early 2020. So just before the pandemic, they were like, no, women don't want to meet online and we don't believe in the idea. And so I pivoted. And for the longest time, I was wondering, what should I build? And then I had a conversation with the chairman of Volvo and IKEA, huge companies. And she happens to be a woman as well. And she said, Sulaime, everyone, I spend most of my life in meetings. And those meetings are not really necessarily always of high quality. And I'm like, girl, I hear you. That's how my life was in HP and Microsoft and and Musk. And she said, you know, a lot of people are really stressed about that. So I decided right there to go and build the first spam filter for corporate meetings. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. It's so brilliant. I don't know why anyone have never thought about that. So instead of making scheduling easier, I'm actually making it more difficult. So I don't know if you've ever had a uh, plan of quitting sugar or whatever, and you take the candy and cakes and you bring them into your basement, you lock them behind something. So every time you want to get a cookie, you have to go down to the basement and open the jar. It's a a whole lot of work, which means that you probably end up eating less, less cookies. It's the same with Happy. You can still request people for a meeting, but you cannot request a meeting with them unless you let them know why they're invited, what is expected from them, what does success look like? And a lot of other features. And yeah, we we seem to be doing really well. We are uh, right now piloting with some of the largest enterprises in the world. We're still private beta because I don't want to launch publicly. I just want to create the results uh, with this cohort of 15 large enterprises. And then we can go out and talk about the results instead of talk about what we want to do. And we have an incredible team. And we have uh, investors from... Uh, Timothy Chin from Bessemer, Anna Nietzsche from PRVC, uh, Tyna Perkins Scout Fund, Snowbank, Vitalize, like an incredible team of investors. And we raised 2.5 million uh, in seed round pre-revenue. And Amazing. apparently, and apparently that's unheard of. So um, I was told that women of color, women over 45, moms, immigrants, have 0.2, 0.2% chance of raising capital from VCs. From not even 2%, no, 0.2%. So literally, when I wake up every morning, I'm beating the statistics. Um, it's not something I think too much about, but if you're listening to this podcast, is your mindset focused on why it cannot be successful or are you're focusing and looking for signs that re- that it, that kind of convince you that you should, continue i don't i don't mind i don't mind having only very little chance of succeeding i actually get super motivated by that
0: it also sounds in in addition to being a powerful productivity tool it is giving people more agency to be clear on what they need you for because i think so often people will book meetings just because they need help or they need guidance or they like want to like pass the time of the day even. So productivity, that's something, even when some of your books focus on productivity, that's Mm -hmm. a big conversation piece that you share with people. What do you, what are some of your productivity tools? What do you believe?
1: So I believe that people, if they, if they, to collaborate with others, collaboration is critical. Productivity is critical. But people, when they engage in teamwork at work, you have to remove the anxiety or the stress or frustration. Because only then people can show up and be real and be creative and be amazing and be the the best selves. So we remove seven of the most common reasons why people are stressed at work. That being, uh, why am I invited? What are you expecting from me? What is the objective of this meeting? Um, what did we decide? What are the action items? Who's doing what when? And how can I receive feedback from my, of my performance? And how can that all be done friction-free so that I don't have to study or learn a new piece of software? So I want to, the reason why I had a, like I'm still paying the price of my burnout back then. So being burned out and stressed is something is almost like, I guess, like if you have become an alcoholic, you can never drink again, right? It's just, you can never drink again. It's a little bit with with burnout. You will never heal completely. Hopefully you learned a lesson, but you will always, you will always live with the fear that it can happen again. So the overall thesis and theme of Happio, which is making it a really transformative Transformation, transformative product in the in the in the landscape of productivity tools is that we built the first meeting health score, which means that just by people working and using Happy, we are actually measuring how many of your meetings in in the organization is meeting the objective. We don't track anything, we don't record, we don't transcribe. You have your privacy, which we find very important. But it does track whether the objective was met or not, and that's something people report on—just thumbs up and down. And actually, that goes to the first ESG score on productivity and how med- how time is spent in in at work. And ideally, in within the next one or two years, you will start seeing organizations report on a meeting health score from happy, Meaning, if you work for this company or that company they can now finally prove that they will never waste your time. They will safeguard you from low-quality meeting hours. And if you take a job there, you will not feel that you're wasting your time. And everything you spend your time on is highly relevant to your job, how you like to work, and these things. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'm fixing the root cause of a lot of wasted life, basically.
0: Because if you waste time, you waste life. Hmm. That is going... That is so powerful. I think it's going to help so many people. I want to come to you and burnout is a very real thing. So many people experience it and you're I love the metaphor that you shared. It's like being you can never drink again if you're an alcoholic. You can you just can't go there. You can't get overwhelmed. You can't get stressed. You can't do sleepless nights. So what are some of your tools right now that are helping you stay grounded and not move into that burnout phase again?
1: Oh, I love that question. And, you know, um, I do a lot of things. I, I I practice a lot of self-care, a lot. It's actually my hobby, that self-care. <laughs> um, I get up every morning unless I have meetings, which I sometimes have very early. But if I don't, I get up 5.30 every morning. I go to my yoga pilates class just down the corner from my street. And uh, that's a one-hour thing. And then I get back and I get the kids out of the door and I take my shower. I have my first calls and stuff. And then midday, I go for a walk, ideally at one hour, fresh air, sunshine, daylight. And I listen only unless I'm taking that hike with my husband. Um, I don't, I listen to prayers or relaxation music, yoga, whatever mantras. Uh, I, I, it might sound weird, but I don't think your audience would mind. But I think about frequency a lot. I think about energy a lot. I think about vibration a lot. And I, my main thing all day long is to make sure that I vibrate, that my energy is right, that I'm in the right headspace, that, I, uh, that my mental hygiene is high. Um, I care about that much more than my, my look or whatever. Um, so I will say I'm trying to meditate all day long throughout work even. Even through this podcast, I'm trying to make sure that I breathe, that I don't get too excited and, you know. Um, and then I relax a lot.
0: I, I don't know. Um, and on
1: Sundays, I go to church twice. <laughs> I go to two churches on Sundays, two very different churches. I actually do two church services every Sunday and it's my soul day. I just take in on my soul. That's all I do on Sundays. That's my soul day. I just practice self care. I fast, I should say. Um, some days I fast more than others, but I, I, I fast until midday. I eat very healthy. I'm a vegetarian. I like red wine, but I don't, I don't drink much of it. Um, I spend a lot of time in nature. I live in California. So, you know, just 10 minutes away from my house, I have the most amazing nature uh, hiking routes. And I do these, you know, uh, nature showers uh, a few times a week. I stay away from negative people. I do not hang out with people that is not good for my system. I remove people intensively of my life. Where I just can tell they're not in a healthy place. They don't. They have not done their the work on themselves. Um, and that's one of the good things about being self-employed. If you like, you can actually, to some extent, largely really decide who you spend your time with. I know that's a privilege, right? That wasn't usually the case when I was employed. You just you get asked to work with a team, and then you have to deal with your manager and stuff. Uh, but since I'm the CEO, I can really design that myself. Listen, I really think the root cause of a lot of illness, mental or physically, is grounded and fundamentally rooted in that you live not aligned with your values, and that you're spending too much time with people who doesn't have a healthy vibration, energy, if you like. And I cannot, I can just not not live that. I I I I need to be with good people with good intentions. It's not always the case, but if I'm with someone that is unhealthy for my system, I I give myself, I nurture myself after I cleanse my energy. I'm being kind to myself and I will let it go through my system and out of my system.
0: These are all incredibly powerful practices. I'm with you in the prayer and in the nature bathing and You're so, you're the sum of the people that you spend your time with. So it's, it's essential. I guess I want to dive deeper In you have your Jewish lineage, you have your Muslim lineage, and you're going to, it sounds like a a more Christian church or in California, all of it resonates. Do you align with one path more than the other? So I do and
1: I don't. Um, so first and foremost I, I just participated in an interfaith uh workshop in DC a few weeks ago with El Hebrew Foundation it's a it's a it's an Arab um foundation and there was all the faiths represented as you can imagine like it was just in my cohort I had Muhammad Ali's like la- latest wife right so it was just incredible people in in that uh in that cohort and for the longest time ever, I have never had a favorite religion, or I don't think more highly of one religion or another. And um so I would say I have an open relationship. What matters for me is that you have faith more than what you believe in, right? And it can be hard for actually harder for me to be with people who have no faith, or has no spirituality or no ruthlessness ruthness in, in 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 faith of of any part. Um I do think it comes with an obligation to be this mixed Jewish, Muslim, Protestant. So I resonate very well with all of the religions. Um, so, but I don't know what to do with it. Like it's just so it's a lot, right? And my ma- my name is Sulaiman. Sulaiman means Mother of All Souls, so it's yeah. really heavy. It's so heavy. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I'm actually going back to Tel Aviv uh in November. I'm I'm setting up a program for first-time founders uh with the World Economic Forum. Uh actually, I I've designed this program for the last three years and we will fly to Tel Aviv. And people are like, Why would you put it in Tel Aviv? Why would you put it in Israel? You are you are an Arab or and I'm like, that that's because that's who I am. Like I need to be freely moving in and out of all those communities without having to pick any side. And you know. I guess I speak for most people's uh, behalf. I wish we could live peacefully side by side, but I I don't know how that's ever going to happen.
0: So. I love it. I love that it's going to be in Tel Aviv. I think, uh, you know what, we're cousins. It's all cousins like everyone's it's especially like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I do think there would be a solution if the rest of the world didn't get so involved. And, that is so that is so yeah, true. That is because so people just make it so flat and then yeah I and mean, we could dive in i have other episodes diving into this exact conversation because it's so it's so passionate and they're so Wow. There's just so much history in one place and love and heart and understanding. I mean, Tel Aviv is new. That's I mean, that's for sure. So that's a new place. So I can see how that's a really incredible location for that forum. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. how about your kids there? You've been in California for the last couple of years. Did they also grow up in Denmark mm-hmm. a bit? Yeah. 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 I had to miss my... it. No. Yeah. <sighs> I, I mean, So, you know,
1: we are such a, so first and foremost, we always make decisions as a team, right? We are adults and we are the parents, but we don't make the shots. We don't make the calls. We make it together. So, uh, of course, they were a little young. It's seven years ago and now they're 13 and 15. But we like had a proper meeting and talked about it. You have to leave your school and your friends and your grandparents. And we are going to Texas. We're going to Austin. You've never been to Texas before. How crazy is that? And they just signed up took their passports, and then never looked back. Um, they are very Danish still. We only speak Danish at, ha- at home. Um, we celebrate all the Danish traditions. Um, and then we moved to Palo Alto um, six years ago, I believe. So yeah, we've, we've, we've been here for a while now, And but they have not become Americans. But they're proud to be in U.S., but they feel like Danes. And they're very proud of the Moroccan heritage. Like uh, they have very curly hair, they're dark. My husband is Danish, so he's very white. But they're very proud of uh, where they're from and they know the Jewish uh, background. So they feel just like me, like very proud, very special with a special uh, uh, mission probably to be um, unifying people and not dividing people. They take that role very seriously. Uh, How can they not, right? And Uh, no, they, they, yeah. As I was, as we prepped for this um, podcast, Erin, I told you that actually our children are our greatest teachers. I learn from our children every day. Taking a child out of what would be a natural, more easy, homogeneous environment and put them into something as diverse as us. Clearly, Palo Alto is very diverse. It's really a melting pot of talent from all over the world. And see them work through life is really mind-blowing. And I get emotional every day when I see what they have accomplished and what they're learning. But we as a family, we don't know, <clears throat> we don't know where we are. Sorry. <clears throat> we don't know where we are two years from now, or five years from now. We will go to that place that we're supposed to be when we're supposed to be. So we could be in Spain in two years, or we could be in Hong Kong, or we could be in
0: Tel Aviv. We don't know. I really love all of that. You are correct. You have a a mission. You are birthing peace. I mean, it's children that are of so many different origins and lands, and they're going to have these great understandings. And they're going to be quite intuitive because they hold their whole entire lineage. And I see that for you as well why you are such an impactful leader because it's what you're made up of, all of these different lineages and spiritual practices and regions and ancestry. So it makes perfect sense. And as a fellow nomad, I can't believe I'm we moved to Austin. So we live in Austin now. I just missed you. <laughs> Austin is fantastic. I still mm. miss Austin.
1: It's a very special place. I don't know what 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 you feel, but It's a new, it's a newest place, right? Everything is new and it was just built yesterday and so forth. Um, Lots of it. Um, But people are so friendly, but it is Texas, right? But now so many people have moved there that not that many are actually from there anymore. So it's becoming more like San Francisco, Chicago and stuff. Yeah. it's super transient. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, all in all, it's very hard to be a human. It's so hard, but it's also the most delightful thing ever. And we are here in a 3D experience. And I believe in experiences. I believe in enjoying life. Life is supposed to be lived and enjoyed. It's not. It should not supposed to be hard. Or I'm not here to be punished for whatever I did in my previous lives or whatever or previous generations did. And uh, I think once you align with your journey and your mission, whatever that is, and if you can remove fear as much as possible from your life and start trusting. That's where the miracle is. And I, you know, I never, I never know what I'm doing when I'm doing it, Erin. I've never done things before when I do them. I have so many examples, how I sign up for an adventure race of 24 hours, never ran one before. I did a ski marathon in Switzerland without have ever skied before. (laughs) I've, I've done so many things in my life without having known anything about how to do it. I sign up and then I find out how to do it. That's how
0: I rule my life. There's God in that. And there's something quite special in that. It's a, the seeker, the thrill, the love of learning, the admiration for learning, the curiosity. Last two questions. Assuming this episode goes viral and it's shared with with everyone around the world, what is some wisdom that you would want to share with them? Oh,
1: if you want to be a peacemaker, a miracle maker, succeed with your goals in life, whatever that is, you have to be a community builder. Build a community right there where you stand right now. Start talking to your neighbors, your church the kids' schools, whatever, the yoga studio goes to build community. Because in the end and overall, you have you have the ability to be a peacemaker. And once you build those positive vibrations, wherever you stand, wherever you are, you're impacting so many people's life for the better. Don't let people in your life go unwitnessed. Most people go through life without ever being recognized, ever being seen, heard, or understood. Uh, and that we, we you might not see it because you're busy with your own life and your own stuff. But stop and and look at the cashier at the at the shop or whoever fixes your car or the cleaning lady at the school or at the restaurant, the waiter, or whatever. Take that second to just pour out love. And I kid you not, that's not the purpose. But what you will receive again is abundance of love and abundance of everything and you know, don't wait to become happy. You should be happy with what you have now. I, I, Aaron, I should tell you something. I live in, in Palo Alto, and before people think I'm a millionaire or a billionaire, I live in the smallest apartment you can imagine. It's a two-bedroom apartment with my two children and our dog. Uh, we have no room, no space. I don't have a bedroom. I sleep on a mattress every night. I pull out. I'm 48. And I I am used to make $100,000 sometimes per month from my speaking and my books and my board work as a C-suite executive. Imagine at my age, if you like, and I don't feel 48, it's not, it's not like that, but I could also have chosen a different life. And I'm investing happily knowing that it could also go all wrong. But I'm living the entrepreneurship journey in the center of the entrepreneurship. Sorry, Tel Aviv is amazing too. Israel is amazing, mm. but Palo Alto still have that too, right? Um, doing it 100%. So do things 100%. Focus, get things done. Don't get sidetracked about this is a little shiny. I could also do this. I could do this. Focus, allow yourself to really settle and make a decision to go all in because. of the success for succeeding in life with whatever it is, if it's a book or a yoga education or a startup, it is you not giving up, (laughs) right? Because most people give up when it gets hard. So, yeah, I I would say community uh, invest
0: and stick with it. Very important. You are amazing. I'm so happy to reconnect. I so adore being in your energy. That is an incredibly inspiring story. I think because you're right, you say Palo Alto, and people assume you're yeah the whole the whole shebang.
1: No, not at all. Actually, not at all. We 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 live very humble, and I make almost no money. I shouldn't say that compared to what, right, Erin? You just spent time in India, right? So what is nothing. But I spent, I I make one-tenth of what I could do in just a normal job here in any of those other tech companies that are around. So uh, I'm investing. And even if happier don't work out, whatever that means, I I will be so smart or wise, right? Because you could not study this journey. I walked every single step myself. And that is the beauty of life, that is to have gone on paths and done things, not for the sake of recognition or rewards, but for my soul. When I die one day, I can really say I saw the whole world. I did this, I did this, I did this, I tried that, I lived here, I did this, I got that. I mean, my my life is fully lived already by this age. I I cannot even, I hope I will get another 50 years. But even like, my God, if I die tomorrow, I'll <laughs> look how far I've come. That's incredible.
0: That is incredible. That's, that's sacred. How can people find you? Well, Sulaima
1: gorani I'm the only one with that name. So uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I try to follow up uh, on social media. I should probably do a better job, but I'm, I'm definitely on, on, on social media. And then I love Twitter. That's my little thing. So reach out to me. Um, yeah. Sulaima Gourhani. I'm the only one with
0: that name. So I should be, I should be, I I should be findable. And I will put all those links in the show notes as well. Thank, Thank you Erin. so much for being here. Thanks for joining us on the wise woman podcast. Thank you, Erin. It was uh it's a huge pleasure. Really. Thank you. I'm
1: deeply honored. And, um, uh, I cannot wait to see what you do with your life because I know you are embarking new chapters as well. And I feel extremely thankful being connected to superpower women like yourself that accomplish great things in life without, what do you say, sacrificing the love for life and the friendships and the good energy.
0: Mm. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.